The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for, not in the way you reach them. You are now listening to Musings Behind the Creative. What's your passion? Hi, and welcome to another episode of Musings Behind the Creative. I am your host, Renata Dixon-Nawosu, and this is our longer musing segments where we speak to other creatives within the design industry to find out, you know, what their passions are and what drives them and what their actual personal practices are. And if today's desk, today's desk, wow. If today's <laughs> guest would like to introduce themselves. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, my name is Derek O'Fadrenois. Um, I am an author. Um, I also have a um, YouTube channel and Facebook page that goes by The Medicine Shell, where I discuss African or Igbo specifically, mm-hmm. uh, but Igbo uh, culture, mythology, spirituality, and cosmology. So I go into a lot of history um, and a lot of things like that. And of course, that particular train of thought informs my writing. So, right. Okay. Um, just in case for people who don't know, who are the Igbo people? So the Igbo people, yeah. do you want to explain or should I? No, 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 I will let you do the, the, the honors. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Yeah, so the Igbo people are a, uh, uh, an ethnic group in uh, southeast Nigeria primarily, though there's populations in Equatorial Guinea and I believe Cameroon. Um, they, we are, and that's, that's really it. Um, we're about somewhere between 25 to 40. And I know that's a huge range, yeah. but, uh, 25, 40 million people. And, uh, I, I'm one of them. So. Gang, gang. Right. And, and, <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'd like us to like start at the origin story. So a lot of, um, well, when I've tried to talk to, um, a lot of creatives i really want to find out what their origin stories are whether they were born um in a country of origin in africa or you know they they came over or what stage they came over and whether this somehow obviously would shape the way you look at the world but if you could just take us through your origin stories so that we could connect the dots Make it sound like I'm Spider-Man. I don't know if it worked. All right, so I was born in um, I was born in uh, here in the United States um, in a, a very small town called Kearney, Nebraska. Um, at the time mm-hmm. we were born, we were uh, one of the only black people in town, and the only other black people were from my village. Um, <laughs> my parents and his. Parents. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is not funny. So, <laughs> the only other I'm person was my uncle called. Jude. Both <laughs> migrated together. Yeah. <laughs> it was really that bad. No, um, one of the governors, or uh, no, not governors, but a, a successful statesman from our area, um, Zeribe, he had gone to um, University of Nebraska and he came back. So because he was so successful and he was who he was everybody felt that nebraska was well within their the generation place to be the absolute place to be so they saw it the way that you guys would probably see oxford and the way we see harvard and they landed yeah. in the middle of a yeah. literal cornfield yeah with a bunch of in in the middle of ronald reagan america so um but we were oh. we lived there okay. until we were about i was about four 
um, probably four. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to Nigeria. We went straight to the village and stayed there for about three, four years. Um, Memory-wise, those are my earliest memories. Um, And when we moved back to America, I always thought I was literally from Nigeria. I, 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 I... I had a hard time comprehending that it was just this tiny little part of my life in uh, mm. in numbers or, or amount of years spent there in time chronologically yeah because the amount of experiences and what i was exposed to and all that and how much of me was formed in those think, years do you think that that was probably shaped because things were so different for you i for example my parents um, came to the UK when I was three yeah. but the I'd already started school um, or at least nursery um, back then okay. but the, the, the difference was so stark I had memories of you know Nigeria when I came to London to the point that when I tell my parents they'd be like it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> and no, she was a she was a child. <laughs> you know, one of them right. ones. So was it the same for you or yeah. How was it for you? Yeah, you know, I think with our case it's very much a lot of that, but I think it was always this thought we had in our heads when we were little that we were just kind of in America temporarily and we we're just kinda of getting ready to go back, you know? Mm-hmm. And um um I always thought that that you know i always saw that as my literal home so it was just kind of like a, okay any day now any day now then like 15 <laughs> years 15 years later you realize wow i'm really here like this is a, <laughs> oh, like, okay yeah that's the vacation home this is the home home my bad so Aww. it was just a matter of uh, perspective shifting um mm-hmm. but yeah it was very much that for you know it's it, it, because of it, just the stark difference makes particular mm-hmm. memories stand out. You know, it really feels like another world in very, uh, in, in, in very many senses. So, were you like raised in the city when you were in Ebo land? Man, I didn't see one whim of any goddamn city. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was I was, I was, I was, I was raised in what they call backyard. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying it, yeah, and I'm sure people will hear me and be like, ah, yeah, like she's cussing. Village. No, I'm not cussing. Yeah, I like village life. I, I love it. It's, yeah, it's, it's oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, I just, I love the smell of dirt yeah. and the heat. <laughs> and no, I swear down. And then in the evenings, you're walking down, you're walking down, the, well, your roads now, and you can hear the crickets. Everyone's just like, absolutely. Like, it's, it's the closest I feel to nature and feel safe. It is incredible. Yeah, no, I completely know what you mean. I used to actually have a uh, hobby of eating the dust there or the dirt there. Yo, when I was a little kid. Yeah, friends. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it was just, it was literally delicious, no, you know? Man. Yeah. Like, there was something about it. Like, and I don't know, like, the smell of, um, when I came to the UK, yeah. the smell of tarmac. The smell of like tarmac used to just like I just wanted to eat it, but I think it also reminded me of like just Nigerian. The smell of like I don't know, is it oil or kerosene? Yeah, or, like, whatever the hell that was. But something, whatever it is, it was just so heartwarming when I. 
Right. No, it's the weirdest things. It is the absolute weirdest things that take you back. And that's one of the goals I kind of try to put in my writing. You know, I I want to Mm. give the sensory experience um, when I do write because that's my favorite part of the experience. You know, going there, physically Mm -hmm. touching the sand with your feet and the smells and everything like that. So, yeah. So, like, living in, in, in the village, I... So I know the day and time we're in now is almost like everyone's a Christian. Um, But I definitely feel that maybe back then, maybe not so many people were Christians. Maybe there were, would there have been some people in that time that had the, I don't even want to say original because that's just all we knew until we got told to move our living room and change our whole house around <laughs> under duress, right, might right. I add. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what, what was, what would have, and could a traditional Igbo compound that is adhering to the Igbo world's view and who we are and not looking for outside validation look like? Um, what would it look like? Or what was it? Was it like that for you? Or um, okay, so I, my experience was probably fairly standard. You know, my my mom was Christian, um, mm-hmm. and at the time, the only person there was two people that were still in their traditional um, beliefs or still practiced the, the uh, a, a broader a broader um, understanding of Odinai, and that is my uncle Dechim. And or my granduncle, so my um, my grandfather's uncle actually, Jesus, my grandfather's yeah. uncle was still alive at the time, and his wife, and they were, mm-hmm. I mean, she had the tattoos and everything like that. She was just very. You much... see, you see, you see, we were right. wearing our own tattoos, and people would come see? and be like, "Don't sky your skins," eh? right. So she had the tattoos and everything like that, and he was still very much in his practice. I know my my younger brother had broke his leg at the age of like a few months, actually. He was a few months old here in America. He broke his leg, fell off. Well, it would seem that we are having some technical issues. Derek. Can you hear me? Yeah, I I can hear you now. Okay, that was weird. (laughs) Okay, my bad. So where did I leave off? Okay. Uh, Your brother's uh, had, he had an accident? Yes, he fell from a high chair when he was very young, um, right before we came to Nigeria. So he didn't walk until he was about one years old. And maybe two, almost two. And so Mm -hmm. we went to the church, we went to the hospital my mom did all this anyways my dad was in america she went to multiple hospitals we tried everything even in america they told they said that he was going to be crippled he's not going to be able to walk with that leg um Mm -hmm. and my uncle who was a uh, practicing um native man i'll just put it that way he uh he said you know i think my dad used to call them bone setters he was i I don't know if he was a bone setter by trade though so I do know there are bone setters. Like one of my uncles right now is a bone tra- bone setter, and he lives in Lagos, and he he makes a living doing that. 
you know um but uh he, these are the people i like to speak to like, right <laughs> right so he, <laughs> anyway. he buried my brother's leg um he did like a um in the sand he did like a ceremony and everything like that or uh right whatever and within a few days you know we put my we, we had to watch him outside you know with his right. foot leg buried to the ground and next thing you know he we brought a bowl This is very interesting. Okay, so guys, we seem to be having some technical issues, but um, hello, hello. We will cut these out. Hey, we're not going to yeah, cut yeah. these out. <laughs> we're no. just going to pick up where we left off. No problem. It's Sorry, probably me. I don't know how to use cell phones, so. <laughs> yeah so real but religion anyways but yeah but answer your question religion wise within my family um yeah. for many generations none of no, none of the people on my father's side have been religious so my dad's not religious at all be it Igbo or uh christian my grandfather's not religious at all be it either uh my great grandfather from what i'm hearing didn't seem to he would wasn't that wasn't his pro- he, he didn't care um and i'm <laughs> uh, you know so and, <laughs> yeah no if you go back many generations none of us are religious and even till this day like you know i have nine uncles and only one of them like goes to church you know um and so it's it's never been even my aunts my my dad's sister she's not really that religious it's just never been part of my family history now on my mother's side my grandfather was one of the people who or he was uh, one of the people that helped bring uh build a church in his particular area and he was very into the church but he was also very passionate about the uh ekeleke uh the ekeleke uh masquerade and the uh, society around it and everything like that and if anybody knows anything about ekeleke it's very similar to uh the way Eric. Hello, hello. Um, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, are you hearing me? I'm hearing you now. Did you pick up anything I said, or? Um, we... uh, last bit I heard was if you know anything about the Ekeleke. Okay, so yeah, if you know anything about Ekeleke, it's uh, very similar to the way Boy Scouts is organized in the uh, here in the U.S. and public. I, yo, uh, probably I didn't, I didn't well. know that. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. So we yeah, have. So... Okay, okay. <laughs> Let me just contain my excitement. I went brownies and guides over here. So. No, it's all. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't get good, the evil yeah. brownies and guys, but what's the, the evil one? Please, very sure that my absorbs It was said that the guy who started Boy Scouts got the idea from watching the Zulus. Um, so he that would make sense. Yeah. So throughout Africa, there's a lot of difference in our culture. We use masquerade societies. There's age grade groups and so forth, but with each society yeah. or each group, it, it really is a form of education, and the education is usually tied behind, or can be explained a little bit with the mythology behind the masquerade itself, right? 
So I'm I've been doing a lot of study into it. Like it's it's I'm not finding too much that's been produced academically, mm-hmm. but I've been able to tie some loose mm-hmm. ends together based on some correlating things in different places. Uh, because I remember when I was young, right. I used to watch it. And I I loved it. That was my favorite part about being in Nigeria is watching masquerades. And I noticed how bird-like the um, masquerade was at a very young age. I didn't know what the word ekeleke meant. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I told mm-hmm. my sister, I remember, I was like, hey, this is like a bird. And she's like, uh, she's like, okay, I can kind of see it now that you say it. Um, and, and if anybody, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you haven't seen it before, they're stilt walkers. They veil their face. Um, some of them will, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. some of them will carry a chicken, um, a live chicken. Some of them will just have, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I did my research and, you know, came to find or asked around and Ekeleke, well, I was told Ekeleke means swan. It means swan. But as I look further, Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, it, and it's it's close. As I look further, it's very close. It's it's it ties. It's not exactly a swan. It's an ibis. So an ibis. Uh, is, yeah, you know. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I you said ibis, and I just saw hieroglyphics all over. Okay. The walls with like bird looking. <laughs> Light bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> It's yeah, an yeah, ibis. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I started looking at the mythology and everything behind the ibis. And I was able mm-hmm. to find things that connected to Agu, which is the spirit of divination, wisdom, the uh, capacity to know what like that. It's Agu is the one that makes you a Bibia or allows you to see beyond. Oh, yeah. So the so I'm getting a bit gassed now because like in my mind I'm just like fashion textile so the the Isiago um, print is that the direct no because some of our people go vague (laughs) what what are you some of our people some of our people go vague because (laughs) because they are wearing it no it's it's just clothes (laughs) it's clothes you're right But no, well, there's, you know, and my, you know, I grew up again. I grew up in rural United States, so I have an accent. So, Agon the leopard is is possibly detached. I don't know with Agon the spirit, but my what I've come to learn with Ibo and when things are close in pronunciation, like mm-hmm. all the different versions, variations of Eke, mm-hmm. they, I mean, as much as you can say they're different words, if you pull back and, and try to understand the mentality of the people, mm-hmm. you see that they are all actually linked. There's no, a reason that there's so many words. Like exactly. Yeah. So I wouldn't doubt at all that Agon, the leopard, and Agon, the spirit, are connected. No, um, because like, know, we, have, we have like, you know, I remember I was saying to my to my dad, you know, the Isiago, yeah. the 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 lens head with the red, like I want to make a nice, cute, like dress out of it, right? And I remember when I told him, Ooh. you know, he went, yeah. he went, he went all patriarchal, women, and I'm like, is it? <laughs> I said I'm gonna put a red cap on it as well. We're at it, but like I feel like, um, is it all these prints that we're taking for granted? Were there, would you feel, do you feel that there would have been meanings that we have now lost? Because I feel all those symbols couldn't have just come out of just, like, we've, have we just forgotten? Just cute drawings. I 
think we lost you again. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Hello, hello. Okay, I think it's when my screen goes black, which is weird. Okay, so as I was saying, with the thing about the prince and, you know, the, oh, this is for the chief and this is for the man, this and this and that. If you feel comfortable doing it around a large group of Igbo people, odds are it came from Europe. (laughs) Does that make sense? All of the actual Igbo things are considered taboo, period. Every and this is what I came to learn because I would st- stumble onto something and then all of a sudden, oh no, that this came from here, this came from. I'm okay. So what did we have? And I yeah, keep going further, yeah, further, yeah, further. yeah. And so things like them little fans and the the red cap and Ishago, all that stuff is from Europe. Now it all alludes to something positive. Because I it will okay. Let's say Europe by uh, or India, India by proxy of Europe. You know, <laughs> okay, yeah. But it Ishago, makes sense. yeah. No, no. So my theory with Ishago is, and I've seen this in a lot of different things. And there's places like in Anyama, they practice this. They still practice this, and I'm sure other places outside of Anyama. But um, the the wearing of leopard skin mm-hmm. has a symbolic connotations to it um it is it is often worn by warriors and warlords and things like that so Mm -hmm. ishago itself is Mm -hmm. i think a derivative of leopard print you know of leopard if you look at the patterns it's pretty obvious right and the fact that it's usually sway and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you you see the connection there but again if i were to wear actual leopard prints like a pelt no 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 i didn't mean no 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 i meant like the way we do it where like we do it in in own print in our own style not like the western style and it's like not like that um not leopard actual prints because our one isn't like leopard print per se it's not leopard print like usually like lion heads elephant heads things like that no yeah Okay. No, I know that it has military connotations. If you look at a, like a lot of the masquerades that will wear it, like Mbedike, I feature an Mbedike in my book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it has leopard print on. And then, of course, the uh, general in the book has leopard print and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leopard in our culture is connected to military prowess. Right. It is also connected to uh, things like bravery, valor, and so forth. Um, of course, a very important symbol in the culture but as far as the way we do it i mean we've made it our own but the cloth itself is not from our it's not it's not this it's not original it's not prior to colonialism let's call it that okay you know but we have made our own thing of it but it's definitely an important (laughs) again if you feel comfortable doing it around evil people it's from europe and Mm. as crazy as that sounds so Mm. Okay, so it seems like you've got a very good mix and fusion of... Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, It go seems ahead. like you've got a really good mix and fusion of, like, Evo culture. So then how does that juxtapose yeah. against going back to the US and, gr- and growing up? Because now, how are you merging these stories into your personal practice? And I'm guessing they, they shaped 
who you were to some extent or did you take take, take the bits yeah. you wanted from it and leave the other bits or did you kind of hybridize the two um the two cultures because I, I tend to say like overall the black experience is never lived in um and okay. I say that because uh at least from my perspective of how I grew up it was almost like it was lived in when I was living amongst people that looked like me but the minute we okay. left obviously Nigeria um the amounts of people or the 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 level of comfortability when you see people that look like you and that being safe were kind of you know it, the numbers change quite a bit yeah. <laughs> and depending on what, what yeah, year yeah. <laughs> you, you, you actually enter the country they can either be very 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 you're the only black kid in town or like in school or something like that so then yeah. it's almost like now you start experiencing the world via like everything around you is telling you that you don't really have a place or there is a ceiling to what you can achieve how did you oh, um, consolidate the two to an, to an extent? Because obviously, did you feel different when you were in the US as opposed to when you were in um, Nigeria? That's not that's a very good question. And I like, I like some of the way, like what, what some of the things you said when you were framing mm. it. So especially the part about picking what you want, mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like a lot of us do that. But um. As far as that goes, so I, even in Nigeria, I was considered an American. I wasn't really, I mean, in theory, yes, I was one of them, but they saw me as an American. Sometimes they would just say I was one, mm, right? Mm. And I'm sure you've had this experience too. It's just, this is what they, it's what they do sometimes. I mean, this shit happened and when I got, so, like, I was older. So I was like, I'm family. Right. And like, she's on your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like, no, but I am, okay, I, yeah. I speak Igbo. Hey, what are you talking? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, so you're. That's <laughs> all <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> You may be more official than me, you know. No, but when I was there, we were treated as outsiders too. Like it wasn't like discriminatory the way it was in America. Okay. You know, at most it would come up in jest or in joke. Like I'd try to help somebody move some sticks. They're like, no, no, you don't have to do that. You're white, or no, no, you don't have to do that. You're from you're American. Oh, so then like, they made you ex- and that used to bug me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's and so that used to <laughs> that used to bug me because I always wanted to, you know, you're little, you want to do what everybody else is doing, and yeah, you're from a you Yeah, from a you I'm sorry. Yes, but the way that the way it is, the longer you're there, the more it wears off. So I'm sure oh, by man. our last few years, I mean we were just as local as anybody Don't worry, else. Derek you know? fetch one. Uh, but I, yeah. <laughs> but but no, we did grow up. I mean, though we grew up in the village, we do grow up as privileged kids from abroad. I mean, I remember there was a kid that was trying to fight me and my sister because we had socks on. And he got, he got, what? I, what I now know is jealous. Yeah. He was jealous. Wow. We had socks, you know, and, and he didn't have socks. So fuck y'all, you know? <laughs> you know? <Wow>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I was very conscious of that. Even be laughing. Wow. Yeah. So then I landed in America, you know, and you know, I'm young, so I'm not remembering everything hundred percent, but there is that, that thought that, okay, well I am American. So I'm kind of going to a place where there's other people like me and, you're the only black person. You're definitely the kid from Africa. Like there's no, you're not from here either. That kind of thing. Mm. 
so you have this i've always had this feeling that i'm not really from either place but i was treated like i was special in both places more than um more than an outsider or somebody who was um who faced overt discrimination i mean uh, uh, there was incidences and of course a lot more when i got older so when mm -hmm. I, i remember when i got to america um yes i was treated different but i was treated different in the sense that before i landed being the only black family in the town this <laughs> tiny danish origin town in nebraska spent like a few the first the days before i came studying about africa and learning about lions and stuff and trying really oh, hard to make me feel them. yeah make I, i didn't know this till i got older i started connecting the dots and so when oh. we landed But yeah. then they got the locale wrong, right? Because then the next well, thing the they ask you is like, <laughs> Well, Africa was Africa. So, <laughs> there was no locale. It was just this big, vague thing that, that niggas hop out of. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> the black vortex. Right. Like I'm a sorry. beehive of niggas. Right? Yeah. So I can't tell you what, how, what was in the beehive. I just know what comes out of that. Moment. So. <laughs> the we i oh, get I there and like and recess kids would say what i said borg you say a fog <laughs> you said hi but i said borg because at the end of the day they're probably like anyway let me not just carry that joke all the way i have an overreactive imagination no you're Back good you. <laughs> <laughs> no you're yeah, you're I'm, good and i'm like resuscitating a joke but yeah no uh they used to just follow me around like i remember in recess kids would just like these just like 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 a whole bunch of white kids would just follow me around hey tell me my name and your language oh this and this and that did you have a pet lion things like that so like and then i was again being exempt from a lot of different things oh he you doesn't know, know like, you know they yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know that stuff it's shampoo right <laughs> So again, the way I was being exempt from things in Nigeria, I was getting treated special and exempt from things in America as well. Uh -huh. um, and so it's interesting because I think that with myself and my siblings, we always, I think it helped us in the sense that we're very good at adapting to different types of people and being very flexible and understanding different people's perspectives and so forth. Right. Um, yeah but then we kind of have this like phobia of like showing off i've noticed with all of us and i think to an extent it's because that was we were always met with this like uh oh those people are different because of this fancy thing that's about within their story so then we'd always try to like no 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 push, push it down squeeze it yeah yeah <laughs> I, yeah, yeah that special. kind of thing so i'm not special Look, I'm yeah not <laughs> <laughs> right so i think that you know i think a lot of us have carried that because i remember my my not my brother younger than me we took my dad sent a really nice car back to nigeria you know and He was taking a bunch of pictures near it. And I remember me and my sister were mortified. Like, what are you doing? You know, he was posting it on like Facebook and that kind of thing, you know, just doing what a kid mm. would do if he's standing next to a mm. cool car. Yeah, in 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 this rap influenced <laughs> world. And so we were kind of mortified to an extent, but you know, as you're older and you look back at it, it's like, wait, why was that so jarred? Like, why was that so like, whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, we would just try not to stand out, and, but it, it just kind of came inevitably. And that's really it. Um, as far as reconciling the cultures, I kind of learned that, you know, I became comfortable being an outsider. So I never tried to suppress the fact that I was African. 
because I was fortunate to land in a place where it was being celebrated, although tokenized and and so yeah, forth. but even it was celebrated. So uh, something <laughs> this it's, it's interesting. You said you were African, and I'm sure day and time that maybe Africa maybe more, but and I don't know what that's what that's going to look like. But yeah. even in so, in what realms? do you consider yourself african like i um like how do i put it like if someone said to you yeah. would you what would you what would yeah. you say because i feel I, like <laughs> yeah go ahead <laughs> no because i feel like in reference to um <laughs> western culture go ahead but yeah. it's like if you would like but when me and you started talking or when I met you I knew you as as Igbo first rather than even Nigerian so how does how does that all fall into place because I think with me with me I'm I'm very much like oh I'm Igbo right 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 so um that is a very good question I'm a hybrid (laughs) right exactly no that is a very good question I um no that's a good question uh, sometimes it depends who I'm talking to. Uh, it really does. And okay, so like usually if I'm with just the world, I'm. I, anyways, let me put it this way: I'm from Awamama, from a place in Imo State called Awamama. Umoke to be specific within Awamama, and I usually tell people that, right? But mm-hmm. what you tell people and how the context you put yourself in are sometimes different. So if mm-hmm, I'm in a group mm-hmm. of white people, I'm from Awamama, but I know to them that means I'm black and I am black and I'm a black person and so forth. If I'm amongst a bunch of Africans, I know I'm the Nigerian. If I'm amongst a bunch of Nigerians, I know I'm the Igbo person. And then among Igbo people, I'm the person from Igbo state and so forth, you know? So and, um, this I understand- This is probably my therapy talking, but it's just like- <laughs> No, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Is that not very much like, like within ourselves wherever wherever we are or like whatever you know environment we just know who we are you know like i you know you're derek and that's you right but like yeah in in having to maybe i call i call it performance and not in a negative well sometimes negative but it it's performance like i've always felt on some level i'm having to perform I'm having to sort sort of almost squeeze into these these slots Boxing. of minimal acceptance, yeah. and it's just just there. Accept your place. Yeah. You will like it. I, I right. swear to you, you love it. And it's like the longer you stay in there, obviously, man's gonna catch cramp, isn't it? Right, right. <laughs> no, no, 100%. I think that, but I think that because of our experience and maybe just me being a contrarian, I'm very comfortable not fitting in, you know. I'm very comfortable going somewhere and just being a little offbeat. And I gravitate towards things that are offbeat mm-hmm. and so forth. I don't think I had the privilege of fitting in at 
any time in my life. So I'm glad I got over that yeah, desire. Yeah, but do we ever get the privilege to fit in, or is it like hammer and just flogging yourself to just I beg, now beg, I beg. Well, it's like this, right? So there are some things that you'll say and I'll say, and there's a part of you and I that understands that mm. thing at all levels mm-hmm. because we have a similar experience. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes I'll be talking to a white person and this person will just say some shit that like, it, I, I'm like, like yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like the, yeah, like the neurons in my brain do not connect in the way yours connect in this particular subject, in this particular perspective, right? You know what? Funny and then story. I think that being, <laughs> go ahead, yeah. Next. Funny story. In terms yeah. of what you just said, I remember we went to, um, me and a friend of mine a couple of years ago went to a pub. It was a black owned pub, and there's not that many black owned pubs over here. But, um, you know, I think he was from Liberia. Anyway, this old uncle, you know, he was doing his thing like this, the fish boy, or boy grilled fish with Maggie sauce and plantain, ha, with the pepper that they've just been like (laughs) boiling for days. Oi, me and my friend would. So then his son had, um, was trying to like make the place a little bit more trendy. You know, we had gentrification, like pool swing is Thorsten. And then like he brings his friends in, <clears throat> like trying to make them like come in and stuff. And then they're like, he, he offers them the plantain and fish, right? No. And then, and then, <laughs> because me and my friend were just dead. <laughs> we're just eating, like we're just, in, right. we know it as plantain, isn't it? Or plantain. Right. Or... They all did it, yeah. And then like, all oh, they were asking about it. And then they, these guys were like, is it, is it a root vegetable? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> eh? <laughs> anyway, moving right. forward, moving on. No, I understand. Yeah, so there are these gaps. Like I know with a lot of my American friends, I always feel like like I can't really tell them about fifty percent of my life, right? And with my Nigerian friends, I can't really tell them about fifty percent of my life. Mm. And I think to an extent, you know, as much as we say, oh, okay, you know, boohoo. I think that identity is always the difference between you and another person, you know, in it right now, I'm a man because I'm talking to a woman and when I'm amongst men, I'm whatever differentiates me from them. Mm. And it's not a me thing or an us thing. It's universal. I think it's pretty universal. Um, So I've kind of learned to see that, to see where people draw those lines in the sand and what each side of the sand means and how subjective where you stand is. Mm -hmm. Uh, based on your proximity to uh, somebody that's different. Okay. Okay. All right. Maybe not. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. that. I, I, was just, I was just curious. <laughs> it wasn't like a dig or anything. Yeah, no, like... so, but I've, I've always been comfortable just not being normal. Um, but then, so it's cool. Normal what? Now? what is normal? You're normal. I'm exactly. Like, not the same. Does that make me abnormal? Exactly. That was right, right, yeah. Though. So... Sorry. No, that was that was a bar. That was a little <laughs> bar, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm good on that. That's cool. But yeah. Okay, so then, how do you tie all these things? Wait, first of all, what made you decide to even say, with all my experience, I've somehow writing is my passion. Like, and yeah. at what point do all these like 
because I think between the Nigerian experience and the um, American experience pushed together, like there would have been a point of an awakening, no? Where you consolidate all these things and you 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 fully form, and then you 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 decide to go out, and this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to do it, and yeah. So explain a little bit about that. So the part of my mind that wonder wanders and, and, and imagines and does that thing, I believe very much still lives in Awamama, the village in Nigeria. Right. And the part of my mind that pieces things together very much lives in America. Mm-hmm. And they have been working together very well lately. So I'm <laughs> that grateful. They're co-Britons. They're in agreement. <laughs> but it, was, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't always the case. <laughs> that wasn't always the case. Yeah. And so, um, God damn it. I, I think I almost forgot your question. You're saying that. How did you? See, that's not. It's, well, with these. That's not, that's not, that's not part of Nigeria. <laughs> So like with you being um, you having these juxtaposed experiences and then coming mm-hmm. to a point where like somehow all of these experiences inform oh, yes, you yes, yes, yes. to align somehow uh-huh. to get you to a point where you or like what is it that made you or what and how was it and what was it that got you to that point where it's like I know just yeah okay all right so i don't think i have the you know a lot of people have that story where they're trying to reconcile their identities and i think based on the very unique and fortunate path i was blessed in taking Mm. in life i never really had a conflict between the two again i i i I always understood okay i'm creative from a nigerian asshole yeah and, and you didn't yeah. have to fight it, you didn't have to consolidate it, and they just let you no. be free. Because, again, yeah, I was fortunate. Like, I lived in the village, so I saw the truth. Okay. So, though my parents never had this, um, had the instinct to do this, if they were to turn around and tell me, oh, our people don't X, Y, Z, you know, oh, our people yeah, don't Yeah, there wasn't a space know. to kind of hide yeah. or hide. It's like I got three uncles doing that right now. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like you can't tell me nothing. Like, <laughs> what are you about to tell me? You know, my grandfather was my brother. Like I said, my brother's a musician. Right. My grandfather is also a musician. You understand? My, no, you see, yeah, I think like these things are not. Is actually, I think, actually, I think where my yeah. confusion probably comes into play is that it's that mis, mis, miseducation that. Yes, black Igbo people are um, are traders and like, you know, we're businessmen. But how did this happen? We were creatives. Exactly. Like we. There's a pe- story. People, yes. I, I, I must do the yams in this season so that I can sell it in next season. So me and my family are gonna have at least the children have school fees for a year. Like there was. One. There was a process. There was like a business acumen that. And, you know, sometimes it irritates me when people just want to be like, ha, 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 all you people like is money. Are you okay? (laughs) Who does not like money? We had a circular economy that was very much informed. (laughs) Right. So you were able to kind of understand that. Absolutely. Now, the the thing thing is, you know, it's, it's a perspective thing. So when Igbo people leave where they're in and they go other places in Nigeria, 
there's no jobs. So what you do is business. So they understand these people, oh, you guys like mm. business. But then they come to America, oh, you guys like whatever the hell the stereotype is here. And then you go to these other countries where there's no jobs or business. Oh, you guys like crime. And you go to, you know, anything like that. So what I know about our people is that anything we do, we do to the 110th degree. Because and we are over at Exactly. And that's so how where like you go to everywhere in the world, <laughs> you go everywhere in the world and we're known for something, but we're known for doing it at an extremely high proficiency. You know, you understand. So when they come up to you and say, oh, you feel like business. I mean, I don't know if that's like an insult or <laughs> what, but yeah, okay. Yeah, that, 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 uh-huh. that, that happens too. But then if you also look at it, like, and then this isn't like, this is like a humble, a humble brag. But, but, you see, but yo, yeah. like I went on Amazon, I went on Amazon and I looked at African writers and I think out of 10, six or seven of them of the top ones were Igbo. It is well. You understand? It is well. It is well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our, I don't think our creative tradition has ever been in doubt. You know, we've produced a exceptionally high amount of musicians and writers. And of course, I mean, you know, Nollywood, all the things like that. Like yeah, there's, then, there's, it's, it's always been there. I know, but then but it I just think feels that, like there's been a very much like high doctors, lawyers, and it's just like I don't. Well, even you're right, and that's what I was going to talk about next. Yeah. yeah, the the I think that's very much a diaspora thing, and I think that um, a lot of people in diaspora have a like an adjustment disorder, or like um, no, <laughs> no, I'm being for real, like PTSD, because I always used to wonder why. Nigerian immigrants would kind of just land and just like hit the ground running. And this isn't just an Igbo thing. No, it's no, all no. Cultures, it's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully, fully, fully. Yeah, they just like, they never be like, oh, wow, this, I've never heard them say, oh, this is different. No, no, you understand? No, no, like, no. oh, wow, what is, you know, they just, they just go, like, they land, okay, yeah. how do I get a job? Okay, get a work permit? All right, yeah, bet, yeah, let me go get yeah, a work yeah, permit. Yeah, yeah. So, in the process of not sitting down and thinking, wow, I'm in a really different world, it comes out in very awkward and strange ways. Mm. I don't think that there's anything in our culture that inclines us towards being engineers, doctors, and lawyers. It's just that a lot of our parents were on a mission, you understand? And part of that mission was ensuring that their kids are doctors, engineers, and lawyers. If you go to the village where I was from, you will have a very hard time finding a parent trying to tell their kid to be anything, you understand? Now, the it doesn't people make the know less the motivated. elders are going to vex with what you're saying. You're going against the friends, <laughs> No, it's the, the it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know, and there's a degree of freedom that I think anybody who has spent time in the village understands. Um, people don't really try to force identities on you. Um, of course, it's a collective society. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a collective society. So a lot of times you see what's working. A lot of right. young men will see somebody who is successful doing something. A lot of young women will see somebody who's successful doing that thing. And next, you know, there's a big wave of them doing it. Mm. Similar to my dad's story of coming to Nebraska mm-hmm. because, okay, he saw somebody. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. but there was nobody told him to go there. Mm-hmm. His dad didn't tell him to go. And he studied journalism. He's a writer. Right. You know, so again, I've, I was fortunate to have this experience where I saw things in a I wasn't seeing it through the lens of what my parents told me. I saw it for myself. Mm-hmm. So I never had this wall to kind of jump over <laughs> of like, oh, OK, you were completely full of shit. That's not true. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I never had I never had that again. I was fortunate. So, yeah. Mm, OK. Some very creative waters. Yeah. 
you know, and yeah, really. Okay, so then how did your book come about? When did you decide you read it? You're you're gonna create. You're gonna yeah. What what was it for you? Yeah, it's it's hard for me to pinpoint a moment, but I can. There was a little bit of there was a sequence of revelations. Mm -hmm. So I have always been interested in writing when I was young. Um, as every red-blooded, healthy black male in America has done, I have dabbled in writing hip hop and rap and everything like that. He can rap. And as oh yeah, he's gangsta. <laughs> You're writing rap <laughs> exactly as a gangsta. <laughs> I dabbled in gamsta rap, gamsta you know, raps. for a little bit. But I came to learn that I liked the writing aspect of it. And this is something I saw in retrospect. I liked the writing aspect of it more than anything. Because mm -hmm. I would have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of um, just songs and rhymes and things like that and different concepts. And Was that... Just, just filling notebooks up while while failing every possible <laughs> class they could put me in. <laughs> But I, it didn't phase me because, you know, I was doing what I wanted to do and I liked what I was doing and so forth. Mm. And so, but I came to learn that it was the writing aspect that I liked. And I was, you know, you always have that, you always have the, the, the teachers that are, oh yeah, you're a good writer, so on and so forth. Mm. So, you know, they gassed me up on that and I kept going and I made many attempts at writing a book, but I've always struggled with my uh, focus um and my commitment to seeing projects to the end so i kind of put the whole thing to the side because i said okay you know what i have a skill set but writing something extensive or long term is probably not in it mm -hmm. based on the results i had gotten in the past as far as either not finishing or just just different things like that um but as this one came together i've had a hard time not writing Exactly, like, if you're I go writing to those... from what you know, as opposed to exactly because I feel like it, exactly. the minute it starts to be abstract from you, or you're trying to almost set the tone for whatever those transcripts says that maybe this is what what it's supposed to look like. I feel like there's always yeah. going to be resistance. Like the minute I stop trying to, the minute I try to like augment myself into one spaghetti junction that's when I'm going to be crying about it. Like, it's just easier to yeah. just, just, just ride 100%. your wave of passion. Cause I just think that's how yes. you were, you were filling those pages, no? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, hundred percent. I mean, you said it, the, the, and then it's also the marriage of all my passions, mm. right? Mm. So instead of facing one, just making sure anything I'm passionate about, anything You're I able think to, is, yeah, 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 is yeah. going to make its way to that paper. You understand? And a lot of that came, learning how to do that, it wasn't an accidental thing. Learning how to do that came from my studying of Igbo cosmology and um, and the uh, the concept of the Ikenga. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding that and understanding my chi and so forth. And uh, please, please, that. may you just break down the tins of the Ikenga and the chi <laughs> and the, the astrology yeah, so. to that. Absolutely, yeah. So in uh, Igbo cosmology, uh, the Ikenga is, uh, it literally translates to the spirits to move or your moving spirits. Um, uh, yeah, so mo moving spirit, your spirit to move, the thing that moves you, so on and so forth. Mm. And the concept was that as a person, 
you have something that drives you towards your destiny. Your destiny is preordained and has already been written out for you. It is up to you to find it. You understand? So the closer you move to your destiny, the closer you move towards the person you are supposed to be, the you will gain a certain strength when you're doing it. And you see this a lot. People that are passionate about basketball yeah. can play basketball and tell you that they didn't get tired doing mm-hmm, it. You mm-hmm, understand? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't tire them. People that are like right now, I can, I can, if I had done a less ambitious book, I mm-hmm. could have finished this in a month. I could like a book about the length of let's say things fall apart. I can do mm-hmm. that in like two months. Understand? Okay. So yeah. the 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 of course with then the editing all that stuff. Let's say first mm-hmm. draft. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so understanding that particular aspect of your person and the practice in the time was to depict it. So not just knowing it exists, but to understand it and then physically depict it so that you can look at it. You can say, there it is, that's that thing. So that practice and that way of thinking, mm-hmm. um, I incorporated that into my creative um, approach and uh, the rest was history. Well, Mr. Derrick, it seems like something that you're talking about is a, a big witchy craft. Um, would you like to expand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just being, I'm just being. I don't know, I'm a witchcraft nigga. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I, no, because I understand um, yeah. exactly where you're coming from. Um, I watched, it used to be on Netflix, that Joseph Campbell, um, and he yeah. was describing, you know, he's looked at all the different um, native tribes in the world. And I know some staunch Christians like, at this point will just switch off. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> But like in collecting all those things around the world, there's always this relationship of man to God, to to man's view of the world and man's interaction and relationship with the world. And you're basically, from from my understanding, you're basically saying the same thing. So whereby your your path, you're you're the 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 equivalent of um, oh my gosh, what was it? the maybe you're like the, at the beginning of Poseidon's uh the equivalent of Poseidon's story or you would be like at the beginning of um gosh the Medusa story releasing the Kraken there's always a protagonist on there and how he turns from being yeah. a person um or like a tarot card would call it the fool to being someone who is very fully formed who knows themselves mm-hmm. and yeah yeah yeah, um, very much so. You know, when you with <laughs> you had mentioned, you know, witchcraft earlier, and I very much used to think I never thought that you know our uh, beliefs were witchcraft and all that. No, I, I mean I knew that's the an political agenda behind that. Yeah, that's not absolutely. That's not so I understood you, that, yeah. but I still thought it was bullshit. You understand? <laughs> I just didn't think it was witchcraft bullshit. Right, right. I again, I'm not a religious person. I don't get into those things. Right. And then, you know, somewhere down the line, I realized that you can't really be a full formed person if you are not aware of your logical and let's call it illogical aspects. So I started looking into um, a lot of what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of spirituality, a lot of different things within storytelling. Um, and then, of course, it all drew me back to where it usually does, which is that village in uh, East Nigeria called Aomama. Mm-hmm. And I became very curious about our beliefs and so forth. So I've passed two years or so. I've been immersing myself in all of this. And I came to learn that none of this is superstitious. No. 
what I just, yeah, none of this is like, none of, there's no magic involved in any of this. Mm. It's all real. Mm. I think that one thing about the Judeo-Christian belief or system and Western culture as a whole is it makes you believe that, you know, blue, blue uh, lightning's going to be coming out of people's hands and people, you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, when God, when God talks to you, it's going to be this big, huge, booming voice. And when you're a full form person, you will shoot laser out of your eyes and all that stuff and it, that's that's not what it is you know at all i think it's a, a lot of these things are, self when you you 100%. you're just you yes. you just are or it just is I, like i don't have to exactly. explain you know that kind of thing i used to get like i'm sure every black woman gets it right you get within certain um work groups or colleagues and you're introduced to new people and the first thing they want to talk about is your hair like you now become yeah, the object yeah. of like you know to get to a point where that's not a conversation that needs to be had like i don't need to explain self like who i am right like right. because yeah. you know everybody else seems to be very much accepted or like maybe that is the level of of white privilege that you don't even know that you're overstepping like or like you right. know, or you're encroaching on somebody because you just feel that it just is i, I don't know but like yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's no. That reality is one of the things that drew me to writing um, about our culture in specific. Mm. Um, I remember when I was, I want to say, in I was a senior in high school, and they brought me in because a freshman or sophomore class was studying the book Things Fall Apart. Mm -hmm. So they brought me in to like explain these things, like I was some kind of expert, you know. As I arrived, yeah. And how to pronounce this and that and that type of thing. And I came to realize that one of the gifts of that book is normalizing something very core to my identity mm. to the person that reads it. Mm -hmm. So that after somebody consumes that or after somebody reads that, I don't need to explain those particular aspects of myself. Right. You understand? Um, we can now start a conversation based on this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we can move from there as opposed to, okay, let me explain who I am real quick if you're trying to hear. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and so that's what, that's what I came to learn as far as the world itself, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You know, call it the zeitgeist or whatever. Uh, the reason that art and creativity is important is because we are all, it allows people to create spaces, uh, for themselves and, mm -hmm. um, bridges amongst each other. Um, so yeah, the, 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 one of the goals I have with this is having to explain, explain a lot less. And Ladies and gentlemen, we're temporarily experiencing difficulties. Please stand by. Hello. Hey. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> So, right. Derek, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, and, you know, even though this, this is our second second attempt, it's been a great pleasure I'm just really listening to your journey and your path. And um, just what would be, like, your top three uh, rocket-powered fuel tricks up your sleeve that you could pass on? Okay, cool. So, um, top three, and I'll be fast before this thing does what it does. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So number one is know your ikenga. Know the thing that motivates you. Know the reason you're doing something and keep examine that reason very well before getting into it. And then while you're into it, hold whatever the uh, results of your examination is very close to your heart and very close to your person um, so that you see your way through even when it gets difficult. Uh, the second thing I would say is um, right from the inside. Um, no, no, we're not trying to. Nobody cares what you, how you think the world should be. Nobody cares about <laughs> all that external bullshit. You're just another person with an opinion. But we do care about that thing you can see and we can't see, which is yourself and on the inside. So tell us about that. It's a lot more interesting. The world there is bigger than the world on the outside. Um, and then the last thing is, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I haven't written for long enough to have three pieces of advice. So, uh, the third is just, I don't know, just, uh, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if it's not fun, don't do it and tell them the exactly. cool kids said so. <laughs> you know, in our, in our belief system, your chi rewards you with positive feeling when you're doing the thing you're supposed to do so when if you it doesn't honor your you, personal path when, exactly we when honor your personal path so if you're if, if it doesn't feel good you're not supposed to be doing it so, real talk so, yeah. hi it would seem that they just wanted us to just impart that one so they can leave I'm it on and not you, interrupt us because the other ones it. were nonsense okay it's the illuminati man that's that's who did it <laughs> Ah, to the, to the I was going to say, like, they're going to cut you off. Like, they're going to cut yeah. you off. Don't say nothing. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. And um, again, if anybody wants to, like, start following what Derek is doing, again, we can find you at... Um, the Medicine Shell on Facebook, The Medicine Shell on YouTube, and The Medicine Shell and on And you can also Twitter. listen to Musings Behind the Creative at Studio RDNX, and you can follow me at Loma Medici on Instagram. So, thank you so much, and until next time. Until next time. No worries. Thank you very much. Bye, Appreciate Derek. It. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best thank you so much good one <laughs>